Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. It is a good reminder for all of us that we have a wonderful opportunity in our lifetime to serve God and His people. The majority of us have come to Christ, and we have received Christ as our personal Savior. And we have believed in salvation that is by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves, but it is the gift of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 9, the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And thank God it wasn't us who had to die on the cross. And thank God it wasn't us that was trying to cleanse our own sins away. But it was Jesus Christ who offered himself. And it was Jesus Christ who finished the work on the cross so that we could have salvation this morning. And we thank God for that. And we are saved by grace and grace alone. And thank God for salvation that God has given us. When we were lost and we were helpless, he came and to die so that he could provide this wonderful salvation. And as we are saved now, many of us are growing in Christ and salvation. And we have been encouraged and edified by the word of God. And the preaching of God's word have been heard. And the teaching of God's word also been applied in our lives. And daily devotion in God's word continues. And maybe many of you have daily prayer and maybe weekly attendance to church and Bible study. And we are all growing in grace in the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I hope everyone has that part in their lives where they're growing in grace. Not only are they saved by grace, but they're growing in grace. They're getting to know Jesus Christ more, and they're becoming more like Jesus Christ more. And I hope you had that testimony today. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. You see, part of growing is that we get to know this book. And that we truly memorize and to really apply the scripture into our lives daily. And that's how we grow. And I think about Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And for many of us, we just know Jesus Christ as our Savior. That's wonderful. And I think uh, uh, we need to make sure we know him as our Savior so that we have salvation, so that we are his child and or his children but we need to know him as Lord as well. And uh, how uh, uh, often are you in obedience to him and submissive to him? And are you ever following him? Do you truly get to uh, uh, know him from day to day and what he expects of you as a Christian? And I hope you're growing in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I commend you for yielding to God in the area of growth. And for some to truly resist the discipline and even the desire and to say, hey, I don't want to grow anymore. And uh, after maybe several years becoming a Christian and everything has become old hat and everything has somewhat become mundane and that you have apathy and indifference and 
and the preaching is not exciting anymore, and, and attending church is not really exciting anymore, and, and really uh, uh, even teaching God's Word is not really exciting anymore. And uh, some people could fall in that pit of apathy and indifference and how, uh, uh, how hard it is for them to get out of that. But for many of you, thank you for growing in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thank you for always being renewed by the Holy Spirit of God. And I want to encourage you to keep growing as a Christian. And because we have not arrived yet, and uh, we must always put the things in the past and uh, put those away and try to do our best to get closer to the Lord Jesus Christ and who is before us and let us truly grow in our Savior, Jesus Christ. So as we have now come to Christ, as I shared, and also as we are growing in Christ, but number three, we must also recognize we must serve through Christ, and we have the opportunity of salvation, and uh, let's look at the next page here, and uh, we have salvation, like I talked about, we are saved by grace, and then secondly, we think about growth, we got to have growth in our Christian walk, and by the way, I'm just basically uh, 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 giving you the explanation of what's on the banner right here, and uh, you know, come to Christ, and uh, grow in Christ, and then number three, we got to uh, serve through Christ. Let's say it together, all right? We have three uh, 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 parts of the Christian life here. Number one, let's say it together, salvation. We must make sure we're saved. If you die today, would you know for sure about going to heaven? Are you saved by grace? And uh, you need to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And because without him, (coughs) you'll plunge into a lake of fire and uh, be there forever and ever. And then secondly, let's read that together. We got to grow. We gotta grow. We gotta grow in the Lord Jesus Christ, like I uh, 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 explained it just a moment ago. And then number three, let's say it loud and clear. One, two, three. Serve. I think this is a challenging point of the Christian life, because salvation we receive it, and it's by grace. And then also growing is by grace too, and that we receive that. And uh, in every sense, whatever we know about Jesus Christ and. And how we have gotten closer to Jesus Christ, not because of our own merits, but because of Jesus Christ who has revealed himself to us. And it's by his grace that we're growing. But number three, of course, we serve by his grace as well. But the challenge is, is for many of us, we think this is a very hard task to do because God is demanding us in every area of our lives to be sacrificed and that we truly be used of God. Rather than using God all the time, and rather than trying to receive things from Him all the time, God says, I want you to be used by me so that you could serve me and to serve others. I wonder if you're serving Christian today. And uh, this is one package. Let us recognize that today. One cannot grow and serve Christ unless they're in Christ. And uh, one cannot just be saved and serve. They need to make sure they're growing in the Lord Jesus Christ, becoming more like Jesus inwardly. And we don't need Sunday school teachers who are saved and just serving. They need to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ as well. And they must make sure they're getting to know him more and more. And one cannot just be saved and grow. They need to practice and live by what they have received. And, and to him, much, uh, to those who are uh, much is given and much is required. And we all need to be the light of the world so that all may see the good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. 
So this is one package, my friend, and we need to have these three parts of the Christian life in uh, our uh, journey. And let us make sure we are saved. And then secondly, let us make sure we grow. But in this uh, 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 message this morning, let us make sure we are serving. And, uh, and the last part of the spiritual peace is challenging because in our sinful nature, we're selfish. We are selfish. And uh, I think about Philippians chapter 2, verse 21. For all seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. Second Timothy chapter 3, talking about the last days. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. They shall be lovers of their own selves. And the makeup of our society structure also encourages that. And think about the career or the job that you are in. It comes naturally to you to do just your job and, uh, and, 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 and know your job description and abide by that and, and not go over your job description in the sense uh, go beyond your job description. And it comes naturally to expect benefits or even yearly bonuses. And, and I'm sure many of you expect that from your work. And I'm not putting down where others work and what others do, but I'm simply t- implying that our society and organization is often run that way. And, of course, there are some safeguards in being a responsible employer or employee to do your job. And there are some pros in that, I understand. But also, on the contrary, there is a con. We could get very selfish. Reaching the end of a job interview, the human resources person asked a young engineer, fresh out of MIT, what kind of salary he was looking for. And confidently, he implied, in the neighborhood of $140,000 a year, depending on the benefit package. And the human resource reply, well, what would you say to a package of five-week vacation, 14-day holiday, 14-pay holidays, full medical and dental company matching retirement funds to 50% of salary, and a company car leased every two years, say a red Corvette? In excitement, he shouted, wow, of course, are you kidding? And the human resource replied very quickly, yeah, but you started it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, as we think about this illustration, and uh, we could truly get, you know, uh, sidetracked and, uh, and uh, feel our own selfish ambition and, and, uh, and, uh, and expect great things just for our own benefit. Why? Because we have a sinful nature. We have a sinful nature. And we could structure, as much as the society is structured that way, we could structure our relationship with our God and with our family and also even uh, uh, members of Bible Baptist Church in the same way. And we got to make sure we don't have that kind of attitude as we come to church and as we have our family. It's not about us, but it's about God first. And secondly, it's about others. It's about others. Do you believe that Christ will come back anytime soon? God's people say. And I hope you believe that. And I hope he does. I hope uh, you're expecting for him to come anytime. And, uh, but I wonder how he will find us. Living selfishly or living generously? Living for the Savior or living for self? And I wonder how... Christ will find us because according to 1 Corinthians 15, the chapter of our text, in a twinkling of an eye, we will be 
translated to glory when the trumpet sounds and Christ will come unexpectedly and there will be no more time to live toward the Savior and to change our ways to serve others when the trumpet sounds and twinkling of an eye. Hey, we will be with Jesus and we will face the judgment seat of Christ. And we need to be daily conscious to live for him and for others. It is an opportunity of a lifetime, for we only have one life to live. And we must see it as an opportunity, not a burden. We must see an opportunity to minister to others and also to serve those who are in need. Apostle Paul speaks about labor in our text. And what labor is that? Labor of gaining money? Of course not. Is it the labor of work or maybe building your career? No, I don't think so. I believe, of course, as we think about the context of 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58, is speaking of the labor and the work of the Lord. And the work of the Lord. What is the work of the Lord? I believe it's found in his local church. It's not found in government, and though God, of course, has his way, and and who reigns, and who's the president, and And also, he has great sovereignty in all nations. I know that. But I believe his interests and and his manifestation of power and wisdom truly is bestowed upon his church, his body. And we must see it as an opportunity to serve Christ and others in this church, for it is the work of the Lord. And uh, I'd like to encourage you uh, uh, with three summarized words that we should remember from this text so that we could see the opportunity of serving others and also uh, be ready always to serve people around us. So first of all, we are to be committed, committed. Verse 58 in our text, the Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable. And uh, it's already in your notes, by the way, in your bulletin there, if you'd like to see that. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable. In simple words, be where you should be. Stay serving the Lord, stay serving others. And I think about Titus in the Bible. He was a monster stay in Crete. Why? To serve others. Titus chapter 1, verse 5. For this cause left I thee in creed, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. You see, there are some wants and needs within that region of Crete and within that island there. And it's very obvious that Apostle Paul had uh, 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 the right purpose of leaving Titus because without leadership, hey, people's needs won't be met. I think about Acts chapter 6 and and uh, 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 the Grecian uh, uh, widows were murmuring and they're complaining because their needs were not met. So they appointed seven uh, 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 men to uh, uh, take care of that business. And from there, of course, the word of God grew and people were multiplied and people started getting saved more. And I believe as we think about the New Testament local church structure, there must be a pastor or a leader that is providing those uh, needs to be met and also wants to be met. And Titus was put there to meet those needs. But sadly, I think about 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, it says, For Demas have forsaken me, having loved this present world. And then he mentions three more names, and he says, And depart unto Thessalonica, Christians to Galatia. And then lastly, he says, Titus to Dalmatia. 
And uh, we see that Demas forsaken Paul, and then he moved on to Thessalonica, not doing the work of the Lord. Christians to Galatia, but also Titus left, I believe, from Crete to Dalmatia. And he did not stay to meet the needs. And he didn't stay committed. He didn't stay where he needed to be. He was not steadfast. And he was truly movable. For many, we only serve God when it's convenient. Let's face that. We only serve God when it is convenient. But we must serve God with commitment. And not just by convenience. One particular time of the missionary movement in Africa, a missionary society wrote to David Livingston and asked, Have you found a good road to where you are? If so, we want to know how to send other men to join you. Livingston wrote back, If you have men who will come only if they know there's a good road, I don't want them. I want men who will come if there is no road at all. What a statement. You know, uh, I, I think we live in a very... Uh, 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 very comfortable country, and thank God for the freedom that we have, and thank God for the leisure that we have, but with that freedom, I believe that we are abusing a lot of the opportunities that, that is right in front of us, and uh, we're not sharing the gospel as we should, as we should and, and we're not really uh, being faithful to the work of the ministry, uh, 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 like, uh, ch- a church like this, as we should, and, and we're just living in the ease, and, and we're truly becoming lukewarm like the Laodicean church. I think, of, I think of so many early Christians in the Bible who had commitment rather than just convenient. I think about Romans chapter 16, verse 3 and 4. For Priscilla and Quirilla, my helpers in Christ Jesus, a couple serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is, a, this is the description that Apostle Paul gave for this couple. In verse 4, the Bible says, Who have for my life laid down their own necks. You think they're in a very convenient situation? No, I don't think so. I mean, they're about to die as a martyr. And uh, in every sense, they were... Willingly uh, trying to give their lives for the uh, cause of the missionary work and the work that Apostle Paul was engaged in. And, and they were not living a comfortable life, but they were uh, living a committed life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were serving the churches in, in that uh, 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 Asia Minor. And they were serving uh, the people of God in the place that God has put them. And they were steadfast and they were unmovable. I think about Philippians chapter 2 verse 25 to 27, as my, uh, yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, a companion in labor, and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. And verse 27, as he's a messenger for the Apostle Paul from a church to uh, him, in the description that he wrote in Philippians chapter 2 about this man, it says, for indeed he was sick nigh unto death. And, uh, and uh, he, they had to travel afar and, and uh, maybe a few months to get to the place they needed to go. And, and this man uh, uh, was willing to uh, 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 give up in every sense of comfort and to uh, get on those ships and to uh, uh, get those epistles for the Apostle Paul to read. And during those journey, he was nigh unto death in the sense he, was, he became so sick that he near death. And he was willing to sacrifice and stay committed for the work of the Lord. 
I think about 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. For the Lord gave mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. And what a wonderful, a wonderful testimony of Onesiphorus. And, and this man was not embarrassed of the situation that Apostle Paul was in. And for many of us, we're embarrassed to be with somebody. We're embarrassed to maybe associate with somebody. We're embarrassed to maybe, uh, in every sense, to uh, 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 stay in relationship with others, maybe because they're of different status in society, and because of how they look and what they do. And, and I think we're too fair circle in that way, and, and we must look beyond that and see the souls of men and souls of people. And I hope we as Christians really get serious about serving others and loving others and be diligent in doing so. And uh, now with all these people that I mentioned, was it their own ability to stay committed? No, I believe it's a response toward what Christ was doing through them. And even though they were in an uncomfortable situation and they were nearing death and they were staying committed and they were uh, uh, doing the work of the Lord, not by their own power, but through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, go to your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, and as you have your 1 Corinthians 15. But let's go to Philippians chapter 4, look at verse 12. Okay? And here's the Apostle Paul giving an example of his own testimony. And... Uh, and the context is talking about giving to the church of Philippi, but it gives a great principle of sacrifice and, and how we could keep on serving even though we're not in a convenient situation. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, look at verse 12. It says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Okay? Meaning, I know how to be in a lowly place. I know how to be in a place where I have everything. And it says, everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be what? Hungry. Both to abound and to what? Suffer needs. And the Apostle Paul saying, hey, it doesn't matter where I am and what kind of situation and what kind of atmosphere. Hey, I am called to stay committed. And in verse 13, let's read it together. And this is the driving force of his commitment. Let's read it together. Ready? I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. That's why he was able to abound and also to be in a place that is lowly and where uh, uh, fruits were scarce. And, and when he was in shipwreck, he was staying committed to the Lord Jesus Christ because he believed that he can do all things through Christ which strengthened him. What is your trouble that you're not continuing for the Lord? Did you know the Bible says there is no temptation taking you, but such is common to man? And whatever you're going through, men and women in the Bible has gone through, and, and people in the future will go through, and, and, uh, and uh, in every sense, no uh, a trial is new. I believe every trial has some similarities. But the Bible says continually, God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. You might not be in a convenient situation, but God says, I am faithful. Isn't that enough for us? It's enough for us. I am faithful to you. That's all that matters. Just meditate upon that and live by that principle. I am faithful to you. 
And when I'm faithful to you, hey, I'll make sure I'll empower you and strengthen you. And, and God is a God of all grace. He will give you the wisdom and the knowledge and, and the peace and the joy and the long-suffering and the goodness and the faith and the temperance and the meekness. And he'll provide all of that for you during your time of convenience so that you can keep on going for the Lord and stay committed in serving him and serving others. Oh, I want to encourage you today. Stay committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is our power and he's the one who is faithful to us. And sometimes we tend to get picky and, and we don't even know it. And, and uh, in every sense, we say that we could do everything for Jesus Christ and we're willing, to do for everything. we're willing to do everything for Jesus Christ. But sometimes when those inconvenient situations come, we kind of draw back and say, you know, I don't think I could do that. We tend to get picky and we say that we love the Lord, but... Our actions do not truly prove it. If you love me, keep my commandments. One night, a man decided to show his wife how much he loved her. After dinner, he began to recite romantic poetry, telling her that he would climb high mountains to be near her, swim wide oceans, cross deserts in the burning heat of day, and even sit at her window and sing love songs to her in the moonlight. Like that, ladies. Michelle likes it, amen? Brother Mike, you got to do that tonight. <laughs> I heard you laugh. After listening to him go off for some time about this immense love he had, she ended the conversation when she asked, but would you do the dishes for me? <laughs> Complete silence. <laughs> now, with that in mind, what is it going to stop you from serving God and serving others? What would you not do? And you could talk about all the things that you could do. But there's some things that maybe you have reserved in the closet somewhere. Hey, this is an area that I cannot do and I won't do because it makes me feel uncomfortable in every sense that it's not convenient for me. But you can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth you. Remember, our ability is through Christ. We can do all things. And may we be committed to serve, not by our own constraining, but the constraining of Christ. I think about 2 Corinthians 5, 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that we do one die for all and we're all dead, and that he died for all, that which he, uh, which lives should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. You see, Apostle Paul says, hey, in previous verse of that, cha- of that ver- verse, of the two verses I just mentioned, he says, hey, whether we reside, reside ourselves, it is for your cause. And then he, he uh, uh, puts it in the context. He says, hey, all these things that we're doing for you, and, and we might look foolish, and we might look, a, look like a bigot, and, and we might look uh, uh, somewhat, uh, uh, in every sense, crazy in the world, but we're doing it because the love of Christ constrains us. God's love is flowing through our lives, and and we're not going to live for ourselves, Apostle Paul says. We're going to live for the one who died for us. That's what he was saying there, because he loves us, and his love constrains us to serve you, to be there for you. Oh, may the love of Christ constrain you to be faithful servant. Stay committed no matter what. Number two, we must also continually abound, continually abound. The Bible says in 58, verse 58 in 1 Corinthians 15, always abounding in the work of the Lord, 
always abounding. Not only are we to be committed, stay faithful to the task, but we need to continually abound in the work of the Lord. And abound meaning to overflow, increase in measure. And uh, when is the work of the Lord enough in this lifetime? I believe never. And uh, the work of the Lord must abound. As long as there are people in this church, the work of the Lord must abound. As long as there are lost souls dying and going to hell, the work of the Lord must abound. As long as there are people neglected, lonely, and distressed, the work of the Lord must abound. I think about John 14, verse 12. The Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. The greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now, it's not talking about quality in that context. I believe he's talking about quantity. And, uh, uh, as we think about our Savior Jesus Christ, yes, he was in Egypt when he was a, a young, uh, when he was a young infant, and and uh, 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 that's the only time, to be honest with you, found in the Scripture where he uh, went outside of the boundary of maybe Galilee and Judea. But as we think about our Savior, his ministry was just in uh, 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 Judea and Samaria and Galilee, and that's where he stayed. In. And as he was uh, 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 prophesying and and letting disciples know about the whole. Holy Spirit coming down, and uh, he will not leave them comfortless, and also uh, giving the new commandments to love one another. He says, I want you to know that when I ascend, that you will do greater works. Yes, you will do the works that I do now, and with that same description, I want you to know, you will do more works for me, and you'll uh, go through Samaria, you'll go to Antioch, and you'll go into different mission fields, and you'll evangelize the world through my power. And I believe he was talking about quantity there. Now, this is still God's work. And God gets the credit for it. But God wants to use his people to do it. And uh, as we think about the great responsibility that we have as Christians, and uh, I heard in, in Jesus Christ's time, there are approximately around 300 million people living at that time. And that is the amount uh, uh, of people that is living in USA today. And, uh, but in the whole world, when Jesus Christ was living in this earthly life, it was around 300 million. But now, how many people are in this world? Close to 7 billion people. I, I believe that's why Christ was saying greater works than these you shall do. Because we have a greater responsibility. And by the way, Christ has never done saving souls in the last days. As Peter wrote to Christians about the last days in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the reason the church of Christ is still here is because he desires to win more souls. And also, Christ has never done edifying his church as well, as much as his heart for the lost is not lost. And he wants more people to be saved. He wants to edify the church so that they will go out and lead others to Christ. And you see, the church is his body, and he's a chief shepherd, and he wants to guide you. He wants to edify you, and he wants to strengthen you. He wants to equip you, and he wants to fill you with his spirit so that, not not so that you can live for yourself, but so that you can live for the Lord and so that you can live for others. God wants to help you along that way. 
And he wants you to abound in the work of the Lord. Not to stay where you are, but abound in the work of the Lord. And we think about Brother Paul, and we just saw the video. And, and uh, I mean, he's been in this church for a very long time. And, and he married my sister. And uh, in the testimony, he said it was very strange. And I thought that was very strange, too. Mary, my sister, and, uh, and uh, we all grew up together. I never, I never thought that Paul would be my brother-in-law, you know. I always knew that Brother Paul Lee would be my brother-in-law, okay, but not Brother Paul Choi, okay. And, uh, and, uh, and I'm just simply saying, you know, uh, as, we, uh, as I think about Brother Paul and, uh, and, and all we went through as, as we were young people, I mean, we weren't very good young kids, Mrs. Brooks, and, and if... We were in your class. You would have headache, and <laughs> we were very terrible. <laughs> we were very bad. <laughs> and uh, I mean, Jeffrey and Kyle right here—they're saints compared to us. And and uh, we used to hey, when I when we were in junior high, and uh, the preacher was preaching, and uh, uh, not our preacher, but the youth pastor or somebody was preaching, and uh, we were actually doing spitballs as he was preaching. And uh, I, I think most um, our peers remember that. And, uh, and uh, we, had, I mean, we were pretty bad. And, of course, we got saved later on. And, uh, and, uh, and thank God. And uh, by grace, I'm here standing preaching in front of you. And, and thank God I'm not doing spitballs at you at, <laughs> this morning. And I kind of, you know, uh, grown up a little bit, all right? And, uh, you know, uh, when I became a man, I put away childish things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, uh, I mean, uh, but think about Brother Paul, and uh, I mean, he could have just easily stayed here. But God has called them to a different location, different place, so that he could plant an independent, fundamental Baptist church that preaches the gospel and, and preaches the truth of God's word. And, and he wants to see people saved, and he wants to see lives changed. And, hey, he is trying to live not just being where he's at, but trying to abound in the work of the Lord. Because there are so many people out here, even in the Los Angeles County, that need Jesus Christ. And we must never stop reaching people. I think about 2 Timothy 2, 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me, many, uh, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You know, uh, uh, as we think about mentorship and discipleship, it's so vital and, and Bible study and and, uh, you know, life connection, everything's so important in discipleship because as we commit ourselves to other faithful men, and they must also do the same to others, and the work of God abounds and keeps going after generation, after generation, after generation. And we must never stop edifying. We must never stop teaching people because the work of God must be carried, around, uh, carried on and it, it must always abound because God is never done. God is never done. And, uh, of course, everything will be finished one day. But as we're living in this lifetime, let us keep on increasing in measure spiritually, being more like Jesus, and also uh, trying to reach more people as much as possible as we are living this temporary life. Oh, don't you, don't you, use, don't you wish to be used of God today? I hope you have the desire today. And uh, I, I heard of great violinist uh, Niccolo Paganini uh, wield this marvelous violin to city of Genoa on condition that it must never be played. And the wood of such instrument why use and handle wears only slightly, but set aside it begins to decay. Paganini's lovely violin has today become warm-eaten 
and useless except, useless except as a relic. You know, instead, instead of that violin being continually carried out, it's, and continually carrying out its purpose of existence, it became useless as time went on. It should abound to make more beautiful music for another decade or two. And, uh, but it was set aside as a relic, and it became useless. And as many Christians, we're becoming useless relics rather than becoming a useful instrument in the hand of God. And I hope you're not just sitting aside somewhere and, and, and just being uh, blessed. And of course, God will bless us. I, I thank God for his blessing. But more than that, God wants to use you so that you could be a blessing. And let us make sure that we are staying committed and also continually abounding. And there's much work to be done. And there's much more work to uh, continue in, uh, in this church age. Number three, I'm finished. We have contentment. We have contentment. In verse 58, for as much as you know that our labor is not vain in the Lord. You know, are we going to be discouraged sometimes? Yes. Okay, I think that's why he wrote the scripture here. And uh, are we going to feel let down by people? Yeah, I believe so. People are imperfect, and we're imperfect, and we're not going to really agree sometimes on the right page. And, and uh, we're going to get disappointed. I think about Dr. Billy Graham, you know, though he uh, might not uh, uh, stand in the same ecclesiastical separation as we do, uh, tells a story of a, t- uh, a time early in his ministry when he arrived in a small town to preach a sermon and uh, wanted to mail a letter. In those days, he asked a young boy where the post office was. And when the boy told him, Dr. Graham thanked him and said, if you will come to church tonight, I will tell you how to get to heaven. And he was excited to tell the boy about it. And the little boy thought, for about, thought about it for a moment and said, no, thank you, sir. I don't think I will be there you don't even know how to get to the post office. And, uh, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, Dr. Billy Cam trying to encourage this young man and, and trying to do the work of the Lord and, and uh, just backfires on him and, and just uh, in mockery. And uh, people could discourage you along the way, but is it worth it? I believe yes. Why? Because there is a greater cause. The cause is not what, but who. Notice it says, for our labor is not vain in the Lord. You know, one Christian writer, uh, writer put it very well. I remember a youth minister saying a year ago, years ago, my problem is not motivating people. My problem is people demotivating me. From years in ministry, I've learned the hard way that people will disappoint you. People will oppose you. People will see themselves in competition with you. Sometimes in your own family, even in your own church family. I must admit that it can be a real downer to see your fierce opposition coming from other Christians. But Paul, he writes, was able to see beyond the petty attitudes of these competitive Christians. He says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 18, What then, notwithstanding every way in opposition or persecution, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I dare and do rejoice, yea, and rejoice. And the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, Hey, some... People preach in strife, in contention against me. And they're trying to compete against me. And, and a lot of things that we don't agree upon. But he says, at the end, as long as Christ is lifted, as long as gospel is preached, he said, I rejoice. I rejoice. You know, uh, as long as Christ is lifted and magnified in every way, you might get a downer and you might get disappointed. It's still worth it. Why? Because Christ is magnified. 
Christ is glorified. And may we all say that it's worth it as we are looking forward uh, to the external glamour and, uh, 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 and the external glory and the great, wonderful place called heaven uh, that is waiting for us. And uh, I think about this brief illustration. I am done this, this morning. Uh, when Dave Thomas died in early 2002, he left behind more than just thousands of Wendy restaurants. He also left the legacy of being a practical, hardworking man who was respected for his down-to-earth values. Thomas, who as a youngster was influenced for Christ by his grandmother, who said, believers should be rolled up your shirt sleeve Christians. In his book, Well Done, Thomas said, he wrote, he wrote rolled up your shirt sleeve Christians see Christianity as faith in action. They still make the time to talk with God through prayer, study scripture, with devotion, be super active in their church, and take their ministry to others to spread good word. He went on to say they are anonymous people who are doing good for Christ, maybe doing even more good than all the well-known Christians in the world. And uh, I think simply he was giving the principle, hey, you're not doing it so that you could be famous, so you could be well-known, so that others could talk about you. No, you're doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ. And many times when people are being faithful to their local church and doing that little ministry, as they call it, hey, they might be doing more things for the Lord Jesus than somebody who is so well famous. Oh, I want to encourage you, stay faithful to your family, stay faithful to your church, stay faithful in serving others, stay faithful in serving your spouse, and stay faithful serving your children, stay faithful at it. God is looking. Not, no, uh, I mean, nobody might cheer you on, but there's one person in heaven who's cheering you on. His name is Jesus Christ. He's cheering you on.